thank you first of all Clued for inviting me a good introduction so as Clued mentioned I am a sales manager at HubSpot I've been with the business now for coming up on six years so I'm like a dinosaur when it comes to HubSpot person in Dublin given that I was employee number probably 35 36 and we now have almost 700 employees in Dublin so the company is growing like crazy and I want to share that growth story with you a bit today um, to give you a sense, so I'm a sales manager and I'm responsible for managing a team of eight sales reps. Brian is on that team. And we have two go-to-market strategies in HubSpot. One is direct and the other is through the channel. So I work on the channel side of the house. So what direct means is that if a business wants to use HubSpot and they have their own internal resource and expertise and they don't need any additional help, we can do the onboarding with them and essentially they go and they use the product for themselves. The other route to market is through the channel and that's the area that I'm involved in and typically the channel is made up of sales agencies and also mainly marketing agencies. Um, and we've got basically partners all around the world and Clued is a platinum partner and thanks Clued again for the invitation today and for organising this great event. So the reps that I manage, so Brian and my team is going to talk a little bit today about the sales process. Each of those reps will manage approximately anywhere from 20 to 50 marketing agencies. And their job and responsibility will ultimately be to try and drive revenue from each of those agencies by enabling those agencies to become really effective at delivering marketing value to their customers. And they will deliver uh, a marketing experience to their customers on the HubSpot technology stack. And the great thing about, about doing your marketing campaigns on HubSpot, as opposed to a multitude of different technologies, is that you're doing everything in one place. And what this means is that you have ROI at each stage of the funnel. And by having ROI at each stage of the funnel, not only can you see what is working, but very importantly, you can see what is not working. And by by, by, by being able to identify what is not working, you can actually stop doing it and double down on the stuff that is working. And that has been really probably the unique selling point of HubSpot and one of the key reasons as to why the business has grown to where it is today. So what I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about today about HubSpot story of growth because what we're going to be talking about is growth, driving revenue, sales proxy, and growing your business in 2019 and beyond. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, a metaphor, comparing the funnel metaphor, which we used to use and no longer use by comparison to the flywheel metaphor in thinking about growing your business into the future. So before I go in and just talk a little bit about HubSpot, I'd just like to get a show of hands in terms of um, how many HubSpot customers are currently in the room. Okay, cool. So we're probably looking at, it, say, a good 50-60%. Given that we're in a university, how many students are here? One student, I love it, okay, thought it would have been more. <laughs> um, and uh, how many, given that I work in the channel side of the house uh, and support marketing agencies, does, does anyone here work in a marketing agency, own a marketing agency? Okay, cool. And how many of you are HubSpot existing partners? Okay, about two thirds. So for those that aren't a HubSpot partner and would like to learn more about it, please feel free and come up and talk to either myself or Brian after today's presentation. So I want to talk a little bit about HubSpot's 
growth. So we are a business, um, and the reason I want to talk about HubSpot's growth is we very much drink our own coolie when it comes to growing our own business. We use our own technology. We think about certain metaphors. We implement certain things, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. But when I started the business back in November 2013, uh, we were at about a $150 million run rate. The business had been going, I think, for approximately eight years. Brian Halligan and Darmesh, two co-founders of the business, met while studying an MBA at MIT in Boston. Darmesh um, had a blog at the time, identified that he was getting huge traction in terms of leads in relation to this blog. And they coined the term inbound marketing. They wrote a book about it. And they decided, you know what, there's no actual real marketing platform out there today that actually helps people, helps businesses generate leads when people are actually searching. So they identified and they became very much forefront thinkers in this particular field that outbound marketing simply no longer, I wouldn't say it works, but nowhere, it's not anywhere near as effective as what it once was. So they developed a marketing app that was the key foundation of our success around a concept what's known as an inbound marketing methodology. Today we have 56,000 customers, uh, we're almost 3,000 employees, we're about to open in our, I think our 8th or ninth office in Paris next month. Um, we have almost 170,000 academy certifications and I have here as quarterly revenue just to give you a sense of the growth as well. We are a business that is, we're going to have a run rate of almost $600 million by the end of 2019, that's what we're projecting potentially. Um, we're going to be one of only seven businesses in the world today that are growing at a run rate of north of 40% in excess of a $500 million revenue rate. So there's a lot of growth there. And the reason for that growth is predominantly because we do things, what we tell our customers to do, but we ultimately deliver a huge amount of value and try and create a huge amount of value to our customers. So what you see here is the funnel. And this is the first metaphor that I want to talk about. So the funnel shows customers ultimately as an output. However, customers aren't just an output, they're also an input. And historically, businesses are built to grow big and fast. And what happens post-sale doesn't really matter. So the customer experience very much becomes an afterthought. And I'm probably guessing that most of you here in the room today use the funnel and trust in the funnel and I'm not suggesting that it doesn't work because there is a lot of value in relation to the funnel. But there's more to that. And I'll give you an example. I used to work in a financial services company over 10 years ago. And the manager that I worked for at the time, we would sit down with the marketing team. And I was a rep and there was probably about 10 reps on the team. And he would try and rinse every ounce of leads from the marketing team, from our own kind of prospecting every quarter he would say that the sun rises and it sets in the same quarter and what he meant by that was we just got to make the most of it from a start, standing start every quarter and you know what it worked the problem was it was a very tough environment to be in we had a high turnover of staff but when we came to the start of each quarter every year we're back at ground zero and probably some of you today in the business feel that sense of you know we don't necessarily have momentum here Having said that, if you are successful at really developing and implementing an inbound marketing campaign for your own business, you should have assets 
where you're creating remarkable relevant content for your target personas. You have this evergreen content. So I'll give you an example in relation to evergreen content. HubSpot as a business, I was asking Brian this yesterday. I'm not sure how many leads we're generating on a monthly basis now, but it's certainly north of 50,000 leads per month. But the vast, like the, the, probably about 90% of the leads that we generate don't come from content that we created this week, last week, or the month before. It's typically over 12 to 13 months ago that that content was created. So that's the whole thing about the evergreen flow of content. And what you'll find is that we would like to think, and I hope this is kind of true for your own businesses, that your marketing team could potentially take a month off or even two months off and their sales team aren't really going to see any effect in relation to the leads coming through. So that's what we call momentum. And one of the reasons we want businesses to think about moving away from the funnel is because not only does it only show a customer as an output and not an input, but it doesn't capture the sense of momentum that we should be thinking about generating in relation to all of our own businesses. So that's where the flywheel comes into play. So these days, instead of talking about the funnel, we're talking about the flywheel. Okay, so it's a powerful metaphor, and really that's all it is. It's um, a machine that was designed by James Watt over 200 years ago. It powered the Industrial Revolution here in Britain and around the world. But the invention, what it does is that it captures, it's a, it's a highly efficient machine capturing and storing and releasing energy. That's why Brian Halligan identified the flywheel as a really good metaphor for thinking about how to grow your actual business as opposed to using the funnel. So the more force you apply to the flywheel, the faster it goes. The faster it goes, the faster your business is going to grow. So when we think back a little bit in terms of historical context, back in the 1990s, sales reps and customers pretty much had the same amount of equal information. Actually, sorry, sales reps had way more information because the customers didn't have access typically to pricing pages or the internet or whatever it might have been. So it enabled the sales rep to really build trust with the customer. And it made a lot of sense that if you were a business owner, okay, I'm going to really invest in hiring salespeople because you're going to get a big momentum in terms of your own business, in terms of growth. We rolled forward to the early noughties. At the time when Halligan and Darmesh identified the concept that outbound was broken and inbound is much more effective. Essentially, marketing became a bigger, for, bigger driving force. And in many industries, you know, the marketing, the competitive advantage went to marketeers who were able to think with, their <coughs> think with their brains and create this relevant, remarkable content and driving an audience to your own business. So that's true, really, up until probably in the last year or two. But what we're now finding as the biggest driver of growth is not necessarily our marketing departments in terms of creating this remarkable, relevant content, but it's the actual customer themselves, word of mouth. Delighted customers ultimately are the biggest sense of the driver of growth. And this is what we need to be thinking about in terms of how are we going to make this flywheel spin faster in terms of growing our own business. So there's three things that will account for the momentum and energy that we'll be able to derive from your flywheel. One, one is how fast we can spin it, how much friction there is, and how big it can ultimately get to.
So what we want to do here is I want to talk a little bit about as well about what area has the biggest impact. So what's really going to drive this? So I'll give you an example. Customer success in HubSpot. When we began to start adopting the flywheel approach, decisions were made very early on at really doubling down on investment, not necessarily in marketing, but on customer success. We wanted to make sure that our customers were having a phenomenal experience using the product and extracting the maximum amount of value from the actual product itself. What that meant, if they're able to derive value from the product, they're much more likely to talk about it. And when they talk about it, they're going to drive more referrals, more customers back to the actual business. So it's word of mouth. So the question you've got to ask yourself, and this is based on data that we've conducted in relation to surveys, so 55% is based on word of mouth, customer references, media articles. Um, so all of this here is based on not what your marketing department is doing. It's based on what the world is actually saying about your product or service. So the question you need to ask yourself, what fuels word of mouth? And by focusing on the flywheel approach, you look at each part of your business ultimately here to improve customer experience. So customer experience is the key in helping fuel word of mouth for your actual business. So the flywheel, it puts the customer at the very center. And what I want to talk about now is really how HubSpot is thinking about our flywheel. Now you'll we, you can check out the HubSpot blog and there's some tools that you can use that can help create your own flywheel for your own business. Depending on your business type, business model, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll only have one flywheel. You might have a number of different flywheels throughout your actual business. But what we have done as a business, and I want to just talk to you about, kind of give you a sense of beginning to apply this practically for your own business, is that we've looked at the attract stage and the attract we use inbound marketing principles to get our wheel spinning. To provide value before we extract value, we're heavily invested in providing free content at the attract stage. You know, it's blog, academy resources, driving the audience, our target persona to our actual business in the first place through our free content. So this is what we're doing in relation to the attract stage in getting the flywheel spinning at the very first stage. Engage then and this is something that we've always been doing. Since I've been at HubSpot, it's always been about the attract stage. But we haven't really thought a huge amount about the, the next two parts. If we think about the engage stage, what we're now doing is we want to make it easier for prospects to engage and try and test our software. So, for example, when I was at HubSpot, you know, if you wanted to download a trial, the maximum was 30 days. You could get all the functionality, but absolutely zero customer support. Very bad experience for the customer and what you would think would be a brilliant form of lead in terms of somebody downloads a trial actually became a very, very poor lead. Why? Because the customer just was not getting a good customer experience. So simple things will be looking at your sign-up process. We began then at helping, enabling our customers to download the software for free, a very light version of the software for free, for example, in relation to our CRM, and also very light level of customer support to make sure that they're having a good customer experience. In relation to Delight, we begin thinking about how can we you know, help our customers really begin to talk about the product. 
So what we're doing there is in relation to a mix of guided and self-service education, paying customers have access to an implementation specialist. <coughs> Our partners and their partner communities not only get access to uh, an implementation specialist, but they'll also get access to the likes of Brian, which is a channel account manager, somebody that's going to teach you how to sell and really potentially restructure your business to make you a very successful HubSpot partner. Businesses, again, will get access to knowledge base, very extensive collateral in terms of knowledge base. They can use this, academy certifications and so on. So that's the whole area in relation to the light. And these are the three key areas that we focus on in relation to really driving the power, the force in relation to HubSpot's own actual flywheel. One thing you will think about is that there, is, there are things that can ultimately slow the flywheel down. So similarly, if you want to drive it to make it go fast, if you start losing customers, customers start having bad customer experience, the product potentially crashes, whatever it might be, all of these things will ultimately cause friction. And by more, the more friction, the slower the flywheel will actually go. So by adopting the flywheel as a metaphor, not only are we looking at things that will ultimately drive the speed and traction of our business, but we're also looking at trying to identify the elements of our business that are causing friction. How do we remove these? So some of the things you should begin to ask yourself is, you know, is our customers utilizing our product to its maximum, whereby they can get the maximum value out of the product? Are we providing enough customer support? The sign-up process for our own product or service isn't quite complicated. Are customers finding it difficult to get the information that they want from our website? For example, a pricing page. These are all elements of your business that can cause a lot of friction. Internally, are your teams misaligned? And one of the things that we brought in relation to HubSpot, we've often had misalignment between sales and marketing, like I'm sure most of you can account for in your careers or whether it be in your business today. So what we've coined in HubSpot is to bring together a marketing and sales team, and we call it Smarketing. I know it's very American, but it actually works. Other elements in relation to thinking about our business is that if we look at the attract stage, that really comes down to the marketing focus. So what we did in a, as a business was that we always used to only focus, and they, by the way, this has only been brought in since, we've had, since our business leaders have really thought about the flywheel approach. They began to think much more holistically about the business. So one of the things will be in relation to marketing. So marketing would be, it was always um, focused on acquisition. And we identified by adopting the flywheel, if we have churn, customer churn, we're going to have friction. It's going to actually slow the growth of our business down. So what they've actually done here is that they've, instead of focusing purely on acquisition, they've given targets to the marketing team that look at not only acquisition, but also on retention through the customer marketing team. Customer communications. And I'm sure some of you here have all experienced it through HubSpot, and it's probably not perfected by any means yet. But what we've identified was that a lot of our customers and even prospects were getting communications from multiple areas of the business. Product, sales, service, finance in some cases. And in some cases, they might receive four or five emails from different parts of the business all in the same month or week. So we've now developed one centralized team with a communication strategy to all of our prospects and customers. This ultimately is designed to try and improve the customer experience. Review site, and as we mentioned in one of the previous slides, I think it was number three, is that a lot of people will go to review sites or like 
third-party sources in terms of figuring out is this good for my business or is it not good for my business. We didn't have any dedicated resource to looking at a strategy around review sites. Now we do. Conversion path. We used to really only up probably until about 18 months ago, if you wanted to submit your details onto the PubSpot website, you had to go through a form. Given that we were a leading marketing software, it didn't seem quite right. Now we're looking at terms of prospects can chat directly to us, they can uh, fill out a lead generation form, or they can actually book directly in a rep's calendar right from our website, which is a really cool tool to use is, the, is book, booking time in someone's calendar because often what you'll find is that when a prospect is trying to engage, they don't necessarily want to go over and back in relation to emails and so forth. They just want to book some time in somebody's calendar. And it's a really cool tool to use. Live chat, it was only available when the team was online. Now, through our investment in chatbots, it's available 24-7. Languages, most marketing content was only English only. Now we're thinking, of, well, not thinking, we've actually localized it for many different languages, such as Japanese, French, Spanish, and I think there's one or two others that don't come to mind. But that's some of the uh, thi things that we're doing in terms of the attract stage by adopting the flywheel approach. Sales. The whole area around engagement in relation to HubSpot's own flywheel. Customers couldn't actually buy directly from our website. So we changed that. You want to remove friction. We're trying to sell something. Let's make it easy for them to buy. This, again, was only changed about the last 12 to 18 months. We can now self-purchase now available. Reps, internal reps, in some cases, weren't bringing on the correct customers. They weren't doing right for the customer because they were compensated only on commissions for new business. We changed the structure. There's now a clawback after a certain period of time if a customer actually churns. It was very sore on the rep, but extraordinarily effective for HubSpot in improving its actual churn rate. Lead rotation. In some cases, leads just weren't being assigned because we couldn't find the correct rep. That has now all changed by improvements that our sales operations team have made, guaranteeing that all reps, all leads, sorry, will ultimately be rotated. And surprisingly, given the size of the business, up until the start of this year, we didn't have a team that really sold into our install base. So a business using our software already, we didn't have a dedicated team calling into that business and properly understanding their needs in terms of their own growth and their own expansion and would they get more use out of beginning to use additional elements of our actual platform. And lastly, if we think then about the service component, and the service is where the delight, so some of the things that we've done in relation to service, a big one has been the customer feedback loop is around MPS surveys. We're only conducted once a quarter. Now we've created a voice of the customer team. Darmesh has spearheaded this through the customer code. If any of you haven't downloaded the customer code deck, I would recommend to do, do this. Do for what is right for the customer. The MPS is now routed in real time to appropriate product managers. And this means that they can act on it in real time as opposed to having to wait until three or four months' time every time. Um, <clears throat> we're constantly improving the HubSpot Academy experience. The community, <coughs> customers could only ever get support from the, from the HubSpot support team. Now customers can ask each, each other questions in relation to the HubSpot community. So this is what HubSpot, some of the initiatives that HubSpot are doing in thinking about the delight component. So I would encourage all of you 
to begin to adopt the flywheel mentality method or in relation to your own business because what it will do is how can I grow the business, how can I move it faster, but at the same time, what is stopping me from moving it faster? Remove the friction in relation to your own business. And just so you're aware, in terms of like, so we have our marketing, so everything is, revolves around the customer, which is our CRM platform. We then have our marketing platform, sales platform, and then our service platform. And finally, solve for the customer. Check out the customer code deck that Darmesh has put together. Remove friction from your customer journey. And always begin to think about building on the customer experience because it's going to be word of mouth in the future that's really going to drive growth and revenue for your business. That's me. I'm going to introduce you to Brian, my colleague. Brian is going to talk about the importance of a sales process. And he's going to be talking about, I suppose, back to a little bit of a funnel in relation to the sales process, but the intricities and the importance of a sales process. And particularly thinking about qualifi qualifying out is equally as important as qualifying in. And Brian will go through that in a bit more detail now. Thank you very much.